And we're back here on Unusual Sources, 93.3 CFMU-FM, bringing you the news from the community and around the world right here to Hamilton, broadcasting out of McMaster University. And we're very pleased today, very timely interview. Uh, we have Margaret Kimberly. Uh, Margaret Kimberly writes the Freedom Rider column for Black Agenda Report, where she's also an editor. So, uh, Margaret, thanks very much for being on the program with us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, I, as I was saying just before the interview, I, I really enjoyed reading Black Agenda Report's coverage of the election and your articles, um, the latest of which I think is in Counterpunch as well, uh, from about two days ago. Uh, that one was called uh, Obama's Hollow Legacy, I believe. Yes. Uh, you know, it's refreshing to hear someone just say it like it is, some real straight talk, because, you know, most people are just running around like chickens with their heads cut off after this election. Uh, but not you, not Black Agenda Report. Uh, you know, that, that outlet had been talking about Hillary Clinton as a weak candidate, um, mm -hmm. you know, as a candidate that doesn't generate support uh, for quite some time. Um, and you, uh, you, you do things that are perhaps unexpected uh, by the standards of, of what passes for the American left. I mean, uh, there was a good uh, comment in one of your articles, and that was that uh, uh, Donald Trump had said during the campaign to black voters, uh, he said, what have you got to lose? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he was criticized for that, um, but you know, it wasn't quite so outrageous, um, really. And that's kind of an indication of how bad things are. So I'm just wondering if you could tell us maybe what what did Obama do for black Americans or what's what's Obama's legacy in terms of black America? Well, it's you know, his legacy, it should be um, one of uh, style and image over substance. Uh, the. The idea of having a black president is something that people debated for decades. Would we ever see it? Could it ever happen? And then when it did, there, there was this outpouring, uh, actually during the campaign, after he won the Iowa caucuses and proved that he could get white people to vote for him and he could raise money. Uh, from that point on, January 2008, it was a love fest. And, uh, but that's all there was to it. There was great pride in these, uh, this imagery, this very powerful imagery from, of uh, the presidency and uh, the first lady. And, um, so he was beloved. I don't think that is an exaggeration to use uh, that word. But um, Obama, I had argued before he ran that um, we might have a black president, but we might not be very happy after we got that, because in order to win, uh, black people um, have to be thrown under the bus. Uh, politicians uh, make points, score points with white people by assuring them they're not going to do anything for black people, and he was no exception. Uh, in 2004, he gave a, a speech um, at the Democratic Convention where John Kerry was nominated. That's the year he ran for the Senate, and he was allowed to give this speech in prime time, which was big, and he said... There is no black America. There is no white America. And he was going on to say there is only one America. But that words like that are, are very telling. He made it clear from the beginning he was not going to do anything um, to fulfill the special needs and distinct needs that black people have in this country. Uh, whenever he was asked about black unemployment or any issue involving black people, his answer was always the same. The rising tide lifts all boats. I'm the president of the whole country, so if I can help the economy, it helps uh, everybody. But there was never any intention, never any effort 
to uh, do something that would help us uh, in any particular way. And we do have particular needs. We needed a bigger stimulus program uh, that would produce jobs. There are places like Detroit, uh, Michigan, and New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, which are in great need of government help, uh, where people are desperately poor. Detroit was driven into bankruptcy by the banks, by the way. Um, who ended up getting paid first, but that's that's another story. Uh, the people in Flint, Michigan, whose water uh, was poisoned with lead, he didn't do anything. That was as late as this year. He visited Flint for a photo op. He drank some water. He said, I feel fine, and maybe I got some lead as a kid, and I turned out okay. Um, he could get away with saying insulting things about black people, which gave white people a message that um, he would not... Uh, in any way uh, upset the status quo yes. as far as uh, um, what they could uh, always expect uh, should happen or rather should not happen for black people. So uh, that has been his legacy. Uh, and But it was all very hollow, the love for him. There were people who came out to vote in 2008 who either had not voted in years or who had never voted at all just to see him become president. And one of the reasons uh, Donald Trump will be inaugurated instead of Hillary Clinton is that those people who were so disengaged, uh, who didn't vote before 2008, went right back to not voting when they couldn't vote for him again. And there was no plan. And one, one of the reasons I blame the Democratic Party for this loss, there was never any plan to engage those people. Well, first of all, you engage people by delivering, by doing something for them. Uh, but uh, no plan to keep some of their votes, nothing. Just Obama giving speeches saying, if you care about my legacy, you'll vote for Hillary, which you can't transfer one person's popularity to another. Um, he told jokes about he made up this character, Cousin Pookie, and he'd always say uh, when he wanted black people to vote, tell Cousin Pookie to get to the polls. Uh, which is something a white person couldn't get away with. So the Cousin Pookie jokes and what about my legacy comments, that was what passed for outreach in the Democratic Party. And that's why there were Hillary Clinton received 6 million fewer votes than he did in 2012. That's one of the reasons why and why Donald Trump is going to be the president and not her. So um, this uh, his attitude toward black people was very dismissive, uh, there was no desire to engage people, and that led to fewer votes, and it led to this crazy electoral college system whereby someone can get more electoral votes and, but lose popular votes and still win. So um, this is uh, Hillary Clinton's defeat is uh, the result of, of many things, but in large part because of the hollowness of that uh, uh, relationship. Exactly. I mean, Clinton ran a lackluster campaign, but her defeat was much, uh, much deeper than that. And I think you, you mentioned in your article that Obama was seen by many black Americans as a sort of symbolic victory um, in, mm -hmm. in having a black president. And people might enjoy watching him and the first lady get dressed up and go to fancy gala dinners. But, you know, you can't eat symbolism. And no. you know, that's the problem. But Obama has the same problem that uh, the other Democrats that, that went before him and co are coming after him have had, which is that they don't deliver for most Americans in, in, in economically. Uh, and the mobilization is a key problem here, as you point out. Be as you said, if you 
deliver to your constituency. If you understand that you have an electoral base and you give them what they want, if you give them the Employee Free Choice Act, if you give them single-payer Medicare, they will become enthusiastic and they will participate in the next campaign. They'll want to keep these, these things going. But the Democrats don't do that. They just say words during election season. And then when they get in, they, they demobilize their base. Uh, I'm wondering if you could tell me about this demobilizing process. Yeah, you know, Americans are, are only motivated, are only encouraged to participate in politics every four years. And uh, there's very little discussion of how to mobilize outside of uh, the electoral arena. Uh, but uh, so it's, it's restricted to every four years a Democrat and Republican run against one another. And uh, each side pretends to care about their base. So uh, Republicans have depended on uh, mostly white voters. It's you know people are are keep pointing out that most white people voted for Trump, but that's true every four years. The Republican generally gets most white votes. Uh, more conservative socially against abortion, um, uh, things like that. Uh, but conservative politically, um, not in favor of uh, human rights and civil rights. The Democrats talk a good game, and uh, they'll talk about getting more liberal judges, for example. But aside from that, they did nothing. The Employee Free Choice Act card check, as it was called, which would have made it easier for uh, Americans to unionize. The Democrats did nothing. first two years, Obama was in office, 2009 and 2010. He had majorities in both houses of Congress, and the Democrats could have done anything they wanted. So they didn't do card check. Uh, Obamacare was his signature achievement, but it wasn't Medicare for all. So it's still a mess. We still have a health care system that is run by the private sector, by market forces, and that is the cause of all of our problems with health care. They didn't raise the minimum wage. Uh, there's a, a, a broad uh, mass movement to make the federal minimum wage $15 an hour. It's almost $9 now. I think it's eight seventy-five or something like that um, to make it $15. Well, the Democrats had a chance to raise the minimum wage those two years. They could have made it anything they wanted to, and they only raised it, I believe, $0.70 cents in 2009. So that's the kind of thing that they do. They're all this... Um, uh, attention being paid finally to uh, police brutality and police murder. And not one prosecution, the federal government has the ability to prosecute. Nothing, nothing from the Obama administration. So no help to these Rust Belt, so-called Rust Belt states that were uh, the industrial backbone of the country, states like Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin, um, a Democrat could, uh, Pennsylvania, um, Democrats could be counted on to win at least three of those four states, but uh, no help uh, for uh, any of the, uh, the people struggling in these places. So um, the bubble burst, um, it, was, it was very clear the shallowness of, of his support just disappeared with him. And uh, the New York Times, who I criticize often, but today they had a, an article about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a majority black city, one of those cities that deindustrialized and has been depopulated and is left with this poverty-stricken population. And many people there didn't vote, a huge drop-off from 2012 to 2016. And uh, residents there talked about their frustration with the political system, which doesn't do anything for them. 
so this is why Donald Trump is president. Uh, Hillary Clinton um, wanted to drive up his negative ratings, and she succeeded. A lot of people didn't want to vote for him either, but she didn't offer uh, a positive vision for herself. She didn't tell people what she was going to do uh, to make their lives better. So there was just this assumption that uh, Trump um, was such such an outrageous figure. He'd made these racist statements, and of course no decent person would vote for him. So we saw uh, a repeat of the Brexit phenomenon, where you tell people that their opinion is the stupid opinion, the racist opinion, and they're not honest about having it. And one of the reasons his, um, and I, I will have to admit, I thought she would win. I thought she would eke out a victory. But uh, one of the reasons I, I think that polls showed her ahead is that people, people lie to pollsters. Uh, if you tell them their opinion is a stupid opinion, they won't even say it to a stranger on the telephone. So are you going to vote for Brexit? No. Are you going to vote for Trump? No. Do you like Hillary? Yes. And, and in fact, that was not the case. So, um, and it's very difficult now to talk about um, but uh, I believe this needs to be the last time that people, that anybody's opinion is so marginalized and so demonized that they won't discuss it freely and publicly. Uh, that's a bad thing for a lot of reasons. Even if you want the Democrats to win, they certainly needed to know that, this, uh, uh, that things were trending against them. So uh, this is an earthquake, and it's a very confusing time for most Americans, very difficult uh, time. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what shakes out. Yes, I can't agree with you more. In your article, you called Obama a, a hollow president, a hollow president, and I think you know that it, very much style over substance. Uh, um, and this is the problem with the Democratic Party, and it was exemplified in the Clinton campaign, as you point out, because her campaign was, uh, well, the other guy is really bad, and and you don't want him to be president, so you got to vote for me. And it wasn't about, here's, here's why I'm so good, or here's why the Democratic Party is so good. And, and it just occurred to me, or it struck me, that both Hillary and the Democrats have a problem selling themselves, because when you think of their party name or a campaign, you can't, you can't think, what, well, who are these guys? What do they mean? What's their program? Why give them any long-term support? Is there a few points, major points you can associate with them, like they're going to bring in single payer, you know, they're going to make things easier for unions, they're going to actually do something about the environment or global warming, they're going to repeal a free trade act. None of those things were clearly associated with the campaign, because ultimately, you know, the, the Democrats are just a sort of veneer on corporate globalization. And so when, when Rust Belt America, when white, black, red, brown workers are suffering and are worse off after eight years of Obama, you know, reality catches up. And, and a smooth-talking person like Obama, he can't deliver it to the next campaign. So, I mean, what does the Democratic Party actually offer to workers, or, or what does it mean to people in the United States? Well, they, they have a reputation as being the party of, uh, of fairness, I, I would say that's it. The party that, going back to the days of FDR during the Depression, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when uh, he created the Social Security Act and the public assistance system, uh, and those are the things, uh, human rights and civil rights, the Democratic Party became the uh, party that supported the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act in the 1960s. And they've been living off of this reputation 
for years, even though they have nothing to show for it, even though uh, what they do is more marketing than anything else. And essentially they want to be in the White House so they can cut deals with the Republicans and cut deals with corporations. So the trade agreements, which have been disastrous for American workers, and um, that's something uh, NAFTA started with Bill Clinton, uh, Obama with the TTP, and all of these, these deals that essentially make it easy to move money around the world, uh, which, mean, which is a bad thing for working uh, people, but these are things that Democrats love. Uh, the outsider candidate, Bernie Sanders, raised that issue. Uh, Donald Trump raised that issue, and it's one of the reasons that he was not supported by his party's establishment. They, uh, he said things that were outside of Republican Party orthodoxy, uh, saying that America should reevaluate its role in NATO. Or he, He's inconsistent. On one hand, he says, let's take the oil. On the other hand, he says, no more regime change, no more. Uh, getting out of Syria, um, uh, look at Libya, look at the mess that was made in Libya. And, you know, and that's another thing, that Democrats were, had a reputation as being the party of peace, and now they're the party of perpetual war right along with, uh, with the Republicans. So most progressive people, people who support the Democrats, well, they used to say anyway that they were anti-war. And now it, everything's turned on its head. It was Obama and Clinton who wanted war. She talked about establishing a no-fly zone over Syria, which was a threat of war against Russia, and that's the sort of thing progressives used to be against. And they uh, used this propaganda and claiming that uh, Trump was Putin's puppet and uh, to help turn people uh, against him and drive the uh, narrative uh, against him. But uh, people who are progressive have signed on to so many things out of loyalty to the Democrats, things they don't want, the wars, uh, mass incarceration, the increasing prison system. Uh, they talk a good game about climate change, but the last climate agreement allows the world's uh, temperature to rise. So uh, when, people, when Trump says he's going to tear that up, I'm not sure how much worse that really would be. So, you know, Democrats need to think about, especially in the wake of this defeat, uh, being told that you just, you know, you have to be, quote, unquote, realistic. And uh, uh, you, we have to uh, support the Democrats no matter what, because the Republicans are so awful. And we, what do we get? We don't get what we want. And, and this time we didn't even get people who could win after being told that Trump was so terrible and his negatives were so high they couldn't even beat him because Hillary Clinton's negatives were very high. And uh, rightly so. She's done things that are very dishonest. Uh, her, we, we now know she was still doing the business of the Clinton Foundation, which is not a foundation in the truest sense. It's just an influence-peddling slush fund. And she was trying to hide it, so she set up a separate server. And once that was revealed, it just looked corrupt, because it was. Yeah. And um, she could not overcome it or overcome it enough to uh, get people to come out and to vote for her. 
Yeah, they don't really give you a reason to go out and vote for them. It's always against the awful Republican, and that just brings yeah. you worse and worse uh, candidates, unfortunately. And, you know, both parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, are just presenting a sort of veneer on corporate globalization. Uh, the Democrats are presenting this slick, internationalist, cosmopolitan veneer, and the Republicans have all this stuff about conservative social values. But it's the same thing, which is to export jobs, to automate jobs, uh, uh, don't just totally ignore the Rust Belt, ignore Flint, Michigan, uh, and then people leave them to fend them for themselves, at which point they eventually begin reacting against all of this. Uh, they don't know what to do exactly. They might go for Trump and uh, his, his bold comments. But, uh, the, the de- you know, the, the Democrats haven't really left people with a lot of choice. The Obama burst of energy was a one-time thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, the, the, the reasons to vote Democrat— um, for progressives and most Americans have totally diminished in, in the last few decades because they don't uphold peace, they don't uphold uh, uh, you know, economic intervention uh, or, or welfare state or great society anymore. So there's hardly any reason to vote for them. So given that, uh, you know, what, what do we do moving forward? Uh, we, we know in, in terms of your articles, you've mentioned that black gains in the civil rights movement uh, and, and other times in American history, those gains did not come from incremental reforms they no. you know they, they were massive breaks with the system the civil war the civil rights movement uh so you know what do people do going ahead um if they want to actually see candidates that are worth voting for or uh, some kind of political representation to get um all of those things that have been totally off the agenda for the last eight or more years well we have to reclaim that legacy it's that legacy of resistance that has uh gotten us real progress in the past. It's creating a crisis within the system, not going along with it, that has helped us in the past. And then the politicians will go along after the people uh, lead them. And that's what needs to happen, whether there's a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House. Uh, People have turned out in droves, I I think mostly spontaneously, uh, the shock of Trump winning. Nobody thought Trump was going to. He didn't think he was going to win. If he saw his body language the night before the election, he certainly didn't think he was going to win. And Hillary thought she was. But um, so people, especially places here like New York, where she did win, uh, there's a lot of uh, anger and confusion that she, in fact, won the popular vote, but is still not going to be president. That um, this man who they uh, either didn't take seriously or despised uh, is going to be the president. But, uh, you know, most progressive people don't protest anything unless there's a Republican president. Yes. There's this, you know, it's like, you know, in the movies with the the vampire, if you take the stake out of their heart, they they come back to well, that's exactly. I I lived through those years with you too. I mean, the Bush years, we were all protesting Bush and the war in Iraq and all the other awful things he was doing. You know, an awful guy, like they say about Trump. So we were all ready to protest that. But when the Democrats get in, the moment the Democrats get in, everyone just puts away their signs, puts away. You know, they just totally demobilize. Uh, and 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 then when the Democrats doing it, it's good. So when the Democrat is doing a coup in Honduras, it's good. And when the Democrat is funding an insurgency in Libya, that's good. When the Democrat is doing regime change in Syria, you know, that's good. Uh, and, and a lot of these things, if the Republicans had these email scandals and all these covert ops around the world, people might be complaining and protesting, which we're going to have with Trump now. But I think, as, as you're saying, maybe the time to protest was also when the Democrats were in power. Oh, absolutely. But that unfortunately doesn't happen because 
you know, we're told they're the only game in town, and you have to support them. It's them or or the the Republicans who are evil. You can't look at another party. And every four years, people will say, we need another party. It would be good if we had another party to vote for. Well, there are other parties. I voted green. I uh, finally, inertia, shook off the inertia and changed my uh, registration to the green party. Uh, but they're relegated to spoiler status. And so for the last uh, two weeks, all we've heard is that, you know, Jill Stein, the Green Party presidential candidate, siphoned votes from Hillary Clinton. Although the votes show that uh, uh, she still would have lost, even if every Jill Stein voter had, voter had voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, so any think looking outside of that box uh, relegates you to spoiler status, and it terrifies people. So we continue uh, doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. And I just say to people: suppose you stopped voting for the Democrats. Suppose you just stopped, and uh, it wouldn't be this week. Maybe four years from now, we could have a real progressive party. But the Democrats um, want to make deals as much as the Republicans do. Uh, Obama certainly did. He was willing to cut. The only thing that kept him from cutting Social Security and uh, entitlement programs was the fact that uh, Republicans were obstructing him. Uh, If they'd gone along with him, those things would have happened. Bill Clinton is the one who got rid of welfare as a a right. He's the one who increased uh, the federal role in putting people in prison. So at the end of the day, it's usually a Democrat who who makes the Republicans' dream come true. Yes. And uh, so that's where we are now. But um, I've I've been, frankly, disappointed, dismayed. at There's so little anger directed at the Democrats. That was my first reaction. Um, I I wrote in the middle of the night on election night, uh, dump the Democrats for good. And uh, they can't even win. So right, that was all they had left, right? They, all they had left yes. was, you got to vote for us or the bad Republicans will get in. Well, now the exactly. bad Republicans... All they have is the presidency. They have let state uh, legislatures go Republican. They, all they want is to, the presidency so they can cut deals. And these issues they claim to care about, like abortion rights, well, having a president who's pro-choice doesn't help any. These anti-abortion laws are taking place in the states. And the Democrats ceded that to the Republicans. So um, between their uh, grotesque incompetence, the fact that they don't do what we want them to do, the fact that we always end up uh, signing on to things that we used to say we didn't like means that we must look uh, towards a new party and we must protest them as much as uh, we are protesting Trump. Yeah, the Democrats have been really good at uh, giving ground to their supposed enemies in the Republican mm-hmm. Party, even when they're coming from a position of strength. They don't fight for anything, not not in terms of their own base. Uh, and uh, so, as, as you point out, I think, you know, looking at third party and building up those third party options is important if you want to have a, a real choice uh, instead of between the, the right and the, the other right-wing, you know, party. Yes, we have a, we have a far-right party and a center-right party. That's the way we uh, describe it. Black Agenda Report. And, uh, you know, I think it, it'll take, you know, years to build up those alternatives like the Green Party. I think, but people have to start now if, because otherwise they're just going to have this choice again where the Republicans are going to run some nutcase and then the Democrats say, well, you got to vote for us or that nutcase will get in. And when we get in as the Democrats, we're not going to do anything for you, but too bad because th- those are your two <laughs> choices, right? I mean, people... Essentially, essentially that's, that's what we get. 
Um, a style over substance, I, I think, with all Democratic voters. Uh, you, the only thing we have are judicial um, federal uh, judges who have a, a lifetime appointment. Uh, you could argue that that's a, a reason to vote for the Democrats, but if that's all there is, that's no reason for me not to look elsewhere. It's not very inspiring. And, and anyone no, that, it isn't. <laughs> anyone inspiring that comes along in the Democrats, they get rid of them so that they can't run for president. You know, they make sure of it. Um, That's true. Anyway, it's, uh, it's all, it seems depressing, but Americans are already rejecting this. You know, with the, the Trump thing was a protest against all of these, these unpleasant candidates, you know, uh, even though Trump himself is unpleasant. People are just are getting fed up, and I think they, they might be more ripe for alternatives in the future. So we'll look forward to reading more from Black Agenda Report and your columns in Freedom Rider as people try to build alternatives to this, this corporate monopoly, duopoly system that you have in the United States. So uh, I appreciate the work you've done, and I know it's hard being outside of that, that Democrat Party bubble where every everything is so good and happy and and you know until now of course uh, <laughs> so it's uh, you know you're you're not getting a a whole lot of uh, support and boosting and, and you got to work harder on your own to get this out there so we appreciate that we know it's hard work and uh, and you're still getting it all out there so uh, thanks very much for being on the program with us today uh, Margaret thank you so much for having me.